When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and each week I like to talk to pop culture professionals. Maybe they're in movies, maybe they're in comics or TV or video games, and we talk about their stories, why they tell stories, the kind of stories they tell, you know, all that. I'm pretty much obsessed with it ever since I was, I don't know, a kid, uh, grew up reading comic books, watching movies, and then my first job was at Westlake Comics and Cards over on Beat Caves Road in Austin, Texas. It's the arguably the best job I ever had. And uh, my obsession with comic books and pop culture was solidified. Now I'm here in Los Angeles. We make a couple movies. We do all sorts of stuff. And since 2006, we've been doing Geekscape. Hopefully your favorite podcast if you're a longtime listener. If not, how have you been spending the, the time? Why are you still with us if this is not your favorite podcast? But if you haven't ever heard of us, well, hopefully... Uh, this is your new favorite podcast. Uh, I've got a great show for you guys today, guys and gals. I got to be careful with the pronouns. It's 2020. You got to be careful with the pronouns. I don't know how you identify. Hopefully, you identify as a Geekscapist. But I have a good show for you, Geekscapists of any genders that you identify with. Uh, actor Bill Sage is here, and he's going to be joining me to talk about a brand new movie called The Pale Door. It's sort of a uh, horror movie that has a bit of western to it it's it's mm-hmm. is it more of a western than a horror movie i don't know but it's definitely a horror western um and uh i like a lot of uh, of elements to this movie and you can kind of trust that it's going to have some some cool parts to it because the director and i think one of the writers aaron Kuntz, i gotta ask bill but is he related to Dean Koontz? All I know is that when the credits came up and i saw jar lansdale's name in the credits i was like oh He's a horror writer, and he's a really popular horror writer, a very good horror writer, and he's involved in this movie, so it's going to have some cool concepts in it, and uh, over the course of the movie, 
some of those concepts played out. Uh, I want to call it a witch or a vampire movie, but I don't think that they're going strictly with any of those witches or vampires as we know them. But I do know that if you're watching this early on Monday morning, uh, you are not working. If you were my employee, I would fire you. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or uh, Twitch, welcome to the show. Or maybe you're listening to this on the podcast feed later on. But I uh, hope you're well. As I said on the last episode, my cross-country road trip is over. And I'm back in LA, and the Geekscapes are going to start coming fast and furiously at you. Uh, so that's what I got for y'all. I hope you're well. I hope you're doing good. I hope that you're surviving this pandemic. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. But we're here for you. We're going to keep doing shows. And Geekscape loves you. Let's bring in uh, Bill Sage, though. He's the actor in The Pale Door. You might have also seen him in movies like American Psycho or TV shows like Power, Reprisal. Uh, he's got a lot going on. <laughs> Kale Turner, Kaylee Turner off of Facebook says, well, it's actually Monday night over here. I don't know where Kaylee lives or if I'm even pronouncing her name correctly, <laughs> but happy Monday night. I hope you had a filling dinner. I hope that uh, you have enjoyed yourself and uh, that tonight when you have a dream, uh, that it's a nice one and not a nightmare. So you may not want to watch The Pale Door before you go to sleep. That's what I did last night, and <laughs> I had a dream that Heidi, my girlfriend, who I had just crossed the country with, uh, dumped me. That was a nightmare, and I called my friend Ron to uh, be like, hey, she dumped me. I don't know what to do. What did you have for breakfast? And he said he had uh, bacon, and I don't know what else he had, but uh, uh, it sounded dumb. It was a nightmare, and I had a nightmare because I watched The Pale Door. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but Kaylee lives in Edinburgh, she says. Uh, so hello, Scotland. I think that's Scotland. That's Scotland. Uh, hello. And then uh, Carla just gives us a love heart. She's in Mexico. I know because that's my cousin. All right. That's enough. Filibustering on Geekscape. Sorry, sorry, audio listeners. But here's Bill. Bill, how are you doing? Welcome to I'm Geekscape. Good. This is actor yeah. Bill Sage. <laughs> sorry about all that. Um Catching the Geekscape us up oh, on a few things. Hi, Dan. It's good to see you, man. Yeah. Uh, are you here in LA with me? Oh, so no, I'm in uh, I'm in the Catskill Mountains of New York City, of New York, just outside of New York. Holy cow! Is that where you yeah. live? You live up in the mountains? Yeah. That's got to be kind of nice, right? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's, it's it works for a pandemic. It's great. <laughs> great when you're pandemic. Yeah. No. Yeah, my uh, we talked about it a little bit on the show, but my stepdad in Santa Fe, New Mexico, lives outside of Santa Fe. Uh, his whole plan, his whole thing when this was going down was, "What's your plan for leaving California when the pandemic hits?" And uh, I don't. I mean, are we any safer anywhere? Uh, California, yeah, has a lot of people in it, um, but you know, you got to stay smart. I just made it from Los Angeles through the southern states, New Orleans, Austin, up to San, uh, South Carolina and back. And I feel like people were being pretty safe. And the people that didn't seem like they were that safe, I just stayed the hell away from. Well, New York City got it right. I mean, you know, people were wearing masks and look at I mean, it was, you know, if they can if they can flatten the curve in New York City, then can do it anywhere yeah and then you see these videos of like raves and stuff happening and mm. i think that really mm. the 
pandemic that we're fighting, it might be more dangerous than the invisible enemy. <laughs> Stupidity, like intelligence. Like no, that's, that's what we're really fighting. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where, where do you, where do you follow this thing? Like what are some of the things that you've done as an actor to survive this pandemic? Because I mean, you're already in the Catskills. So you're already like, I'm going to put myself in the most comfortable, cool place I can think of and just chill this thing out. But as an actor, you want to be acting. And yeah. like, like Geekscape, is anybody looking at, at Bill's IMDb, you're a really active actor. Like you've had a consistent career for almost 30 years. And it's uh, TV, it's film, it, you know. And I, did a I did a podcast with Katrina Longsworth. Uh, she does a, an amazing podcast called You Must Remember This about Hollywood's uh, history of Hollywood in the 20th century. And this latest one is about Polly Platt, the invisible woman. And she was the, she was the motor behind a lot of Peter Bogdanovich's uh, great films like The Last Picture Show, you know, mm -hmm. she, um, you know, Paper Moon. She was, she was the reason a lot of men succeeded. And uh, so I highly recommend um, her podcast on Polly Platt. Well, what's so the name that, of it? And I, do, you, do you know the name of the podcast? We, like, we just search for Polly yeah, Platt. No, you put in. You can you can do that, but uh, you must remember this, Katrina. Oh, Longs got it. Yeah, you must, you must remember. remember. So you guessed it on and that one. I I had I had uh, no that I had uh, uh, spoken with. I had I had heard the uh, Charlie Manson's uh, Charlie Manson's Hollywood was was one that she did. And I'd spoken to um, Noah Sieg, and he recommended, you know, he recommended me for this project, and I did it. And um, so I've also been doing other art pieces, installation art pieces, just narrating, um, recorded a book, and stuff, just stuff like that, and just, you know, trying to keep busy. You know. Is it, is it, I, I've I've fallen on uh, you know you have your days right where where mm -hmm. you feel invigorated and then your days where you just feel defeated, um, but I think that the invigorated days have outnumbered the defeated days, um, simply because I, I feel like you got you know you got to be like one of these creatures in the Galapagos. Those that evolve will survive, and as an actor, as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, someone has to stay creative. We're evolving brand new art forms and ways of of delivering the stories that we have to deliver. As somebody who loves broadcasting, like myself, we started this live video streaming thing in April when this happened, and I think that I'm I'm just having so much more fun with it. And I, you know, you get to talk to the audience, you get to talk to people in Edinburgh, like we did earlier. Uh, I've got a somebody on Facebook saying. I'm at work, and if you narc on me, I will find you. <laughs> that, that's a generic Facebook user who's hidden their identity uh, just to say because I called them out for, for being at work and watching Geekscape. But, uh, you know, uh, how have you evolved during this pandemic, you know, as someone who's usually in front of a camera or on a stage perhaps? Like, how have you survived this thing as an actor? Is, is this stuff new to you, I think is what I'm asking when I talk about the stuff that you've been recording. I think in terms of narrations, I have I have developed new skills, um, read more books. Uh, you know, be honest, I, I watched a lot, a lot more TV shows. Uh, you know, um, 
you know, been physically active. I mean, I've had the opportunity because I'm up here, you know, I'm able to stay more physically active and, uh, you know, I could, the, the, the zoom thing, if there's too many people on it, I get a headache. So yeah. that's not for me. Yeah. I think as creatives, there's enough voices in our heads without, uh, you know, adding to it with the zoom. I'm, I don't know if, uh, if I'm a big zoom fan. No, right. Yeah. And, and I do a lot of writing. Some of the, some of the poetry that I write, I share on, um, on Instagram and some on Facebook. Um, you know. Yeah. And so this, uh, this pale door, this is the movie I watched last night that gave me nightmares. Uh, how did you get involved in this thing? Because, uh, you know, if it, it, it feels to me watching this movie that like names like Aaron Koontz, like, is that Dean Koontz's son or is that Dean Koontz himself working you know, you, under his surname? You, you brought that up. I have, I, I mean, I've read Dean Koontz's stuff, but I, I, I would never, I just never thought about it. I mean, but Dean Koontz is like an older guy, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and I'm guessing Aaron Koontz is a younger dude. He's a younger dude. Yeah. He's but like, yeah, Joe R. Lansdale is a longtime like horror writer, and he's involved in the movie. Like that is the Joe R. Lansdale, I'm guessing. That that's right, and then that's how kind of how it came to me through his son Keith. Okay, uh, Joe, I've worked with before a couple times. You know, I did Happen Leonard the series, um, and uh, you know, and uh, Cold in July, and um, so. You know, I just uh, it came to me through Keith, and I read the script and loved it. And particularly, what was interesting about this is uh, was the women characters. You know, when that that you weren't expecting that they they, they were uh, these guys wandered into the wrong brothel. You know, mm-hmm. these guys. Uh, you know, they're they're supposed to be the protagonists, but the witches in the story have their reasons. And once you find that out. And there are witches, right? Because if you watch the trailer in Geekscapist, you can go watch the trailer for The Pale Door. It's over on YouTube. Um, you start to think that they're vampires. We've seen that before in something like Dust Till Dawn. So if you're a fan of right. Dust Till Dawn and those kind of movies where this group of outlaws ends up in the wrong bordello, in Dust Till Dawn, they're vampires. Here they are witches. But they doesn't mean they can't climb the ceiling. Which, like Vampires do not have like a monopoly on creepily running around not. on the ceiling. <laughs> they don't, so, they don't. But, they, but, they, but you, you got a very similar story. But what I liked about this one, the reason it jumped out at me was it's a Western too. And yeah. like, that's the cool thing about it is that you've got a Western. And I mean, looking at your INDB, looking at your career, uh, I don't know how much of a chance you had to do that, that much period stuff. No, not not a not a traditional western so much. You know, um, I can ride horses and all that, that kind of stuff. But um, like guns, spinning guns, I had to learn that very quickly when I got there. Mm-hmm. And you showcase yeah. it too in that train scene. It's like a shot was designed just to show you spinning a gun. <laughs> that, was, that was shot in the first week too. So I'm, I'm panicking. I thought, what well, if I can get through that? Then I get through this whole thing. And I did. I I. I, I nailed it on the first take and then every subsequent take was a disaster. The guns falling that fucking, you know, I'm missing the whole, the holster, but I said, please tell me you got that first take. Cause I just lucked out. Cause it was just, you know, it's, it's, it's much harder than it looks and it's much simpler than it looks as well. But you know, you just got to get it. 
it always drives me crazy in any Western where the gun goes back in the holster, but you see the person look down. Uh-huh. It's like, no, no, you can't look down. So, you know, I wanted to be able to spin both gun, pull out, spin both guns, put it back in. That's Super cool. And if you do it with a cutaway, if you do it with a close-up, then it's cheating. It's cheating. Like you can't, you got to do no. it in a oneer. You have to do it, uh, hopefully walking. <laughs> you got to do it in a oneer. You got to do it in a western. Like, isn't that the the the? I mean, as a director, that's the shot. Is the western from the hip hop? No, you're not. We're not cutting away in it. You uh-uh. It's exactly what I did. And yeah. And uh, and then there was there was, I, and I did start to get uh, very good at it. And luckily, luckily. Uh, so we spotlighted other things like there's a spin and then he goes to the door and, and Aaron was always finding cool stuff for that. And Aaron, he's a young guy. Was this his first feature mm-hmm. film or like what yeah. was going on there? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been successful uh, in ga- in the gaming world, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, so, you know, this is, he comes with a wonderful childlike quality, highly, highly intelligent and in uh, um, a degree of competence because he has been successful, you know, but this is his first feature. And he's uh, a video game guy. Yeah. 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 Which I, you know, you, you see a bit of that there, you know, you see it. I mean, um, you know, we, he was a little shy at first and then forget it. He was great. I mean, everybody got along on this thing. And I think that's largely because of him. And how long did y'all shoot? Because I, I just had a director on named Robin Prant two episodes ago, and he was shooting in like Ontario, Canada, rural, mm-hmm. rural Ontario, Canada. It was similarly night shoots in the yeah. woods, night shoots in the summer, fighting mosquitoes. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I think that he had a pretty strict and aggressive window with which to shoot. So in in the in the nights are are shorter in the in the winter or in the summer. So so he had to really race the 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 sun coming up. Uh, did y'all find yourselves and it's tough for a first director like Aaron to deal with this? But uh, did y'all find yourselves fighting that schedule because there's a lot yeah. of night shoots, a lot of night shoots, and you know we we were fighting the weather. So we had I mean, we had we had a tornado hit early on. You know we all had to move to another hotel. You know it's it landed. You know. You could see it land. It was right. You could see it right there. Where so, and it's where would y'all shoot this? Uh, just outside of Oklahoma City. So you know it's blowing hail sideways, and everybody had to move hotels because uh, you know it blew in through the air conditioning vents, and you know, your floor was soaked. And uh, yeah, Wait, there were a lot. What? Of, yeah, <laughs> what? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that's like that's its own horror movie. You should have just filmed that. I know, I know. Well, he got he did get some. He got stuff like uh, I mean, there were lightning storms that were incredible. Stan Shaw and I were out like, oh, they're, they're yelling at us. You guys can't be out there. You guys can't be out there. But you're watching crazy. this stuff, yeah. Like that that uh, that. Oh my God! Oh, it's like so we'd have to stop, and it would come quick. Sometimes you'd have 15 minutes to get everybody inside, and we've got an electrical storm coming, and then. These storms were really close. All you had to do is just put your iPhone up and just you're going to catch this amazing storm. Have yeah. you been reading about these fire NATOs that are happening now? As if 2020 couldn't be like any weirder or any more uh, hellish. They're, they're, you're now hearing about these fire NATOs, which are tornadoes, but 
they erupt out of the wind that is that is whipping these fires. So they whip the fire up into the sky, and now you have a tornado made out of flames. Yeah, yeah. Kinetic so, energy. Yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. So so why not just do, you know have those? Well, why not twenty twenty? Well, like you're throwing murder hornets at us. Why not a couple fire nados just to make things fun for the whole family? Um, so you're shooting in Oklahoma City, but you grew up in New York, I'm guessing, because you're in the Catskills. You went to SUNY Purchase. I did go to SUNY Purchase. I didn't grow up in New York. I grew up, my my dad was career Navy. So we grew up moving all over. I'm born in Oakland, California. Hmm. So, and uh, and yeah. when you talk to a lot of actors, a lot of actors come out of that uh, background where as kids, they moved around a lot. A lot of military families. Yeah. I mean, because so, you go to a new school, you have to kind of get make new friends you know you ha- you can i mean you can change whoever you are every new school that you have so maybe one school you're popular the next school you're at the bottom of the totem pole or, yeah. or the pecking order uh what was it like for you how did you develop those chops as an actor and did it did that lend itself to it yes i think that's exactly right i think that uh that you know i mean i was in six different schools in first and second grade alone that's how much we moved so you're always I think I'm hardwired to reinvent myself, hardwired mm-hmm. to, and very comfortably to put on a different skin. And, and uh, I mean, the key thing is just knowing who you are so that you have some kind of balance. So you have some sort of security. Um, you know, I was close with my dad and my parents were, were good. And, um, you know, I mean, I grew up working on cars and that kind of stuff. So, you know. And that was in high school. That was in middle school, high school. Yeah. You were working with your hands. You were doing Mm -hmm. the car thing. Was that something that you did on your own or was that something that your father, it was a hobby of his or how many siblings did you have? Uh, One, my younger sister. That that was Mm -hmm. my father's. That was my father's. uh, That's what he did. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. career Navy. So he, he worked on submarines and, uh, and all his time when he, when he was home was working on cars, you know, Uh so I learned that and, you know, and you, what made you pursue acting? Because it seems like, uh, you know, we talked about moving around a lot and having to reinvent yourself from school to school. But uh, working on cars, you get a bit of a engineering mind. You know, my, my older brother worked on cars and then that led him to working on saltwater aquariums or, you know, really anything that he could take apart and put back together. Uh, why is that still a part of what you do in your art when you say that you're doing uh, installation no. artwork or things like that. How does that lend itself to the pursuit would, of acting? Uh, art was always something that was more of my mother's leaning. So that was always something that I gravitated towards as well. Um, but I had read something about Robert Duvall coming from a, a Navy family. And I thought that, and also the great Santini was something <laughs> I saw when I was a young person. Uh, and I related to it. And so I met a much better, I had a much better uh, relationship with my father, but, but still that kind of patriarchal, um, you know, male, strong, like you were supposed to be a certain way. You know, uh, it was okay for me, but uh, um, I think that my mother and my sister had a, had a big influence on me as well. And, and, uh, and I think that I was very, you know, I, I entertained my mother and my sister wherever we went. You know, so I think I got that kind of uh, that feedback from them. So, 
Do, did they have a tougher time with the moving around? Yeah, yeah. By the time we got to, we were, my dad was working on the Brooklyn Navy Yard. I was a young teenager and uh, um, yeah, my parents split up there. And, yeah. uh, enough is enough. Enough is enough. It's a lot. Right. It's a lot. And, you know, and he was an enlisted guy. So it's, my parents are young. So he, he went in as an E1, which is, he's based riding uh, submarines as a torpedo. Man. That's a, that's a, that's the bottom. But he, my dad had a long career, 34 years in the Navy, retired in the Pentagon. This is a guy, wow. who never, a guy who never went to college. I mean, this is, he went to officer's training school. He was, uh, he passed a few years ago. He was an extraordinary guy, you know, and, but, uh, and, and, but Bill, seeing yeah, this person yeah. who, who you like revere mm. and then seeing, even though he's making all the right choices, you know, maybe, maybe he's making all the right choices, but he's definitely do, you know, doing the career mindset. He, you know, you're revering him as a son, I'm guessing, because you're, you're working on cars with him. You're taking it, but then seeing the fallout and it's almost like you can't even, it's not intentional. It's not built out of anger or hate or anything. I mean, maybe youth and experience, but then seeing it, you develop this protective side for mm. your mother and your sister yeah, and you see the strain they're going through, and so did that lent itself to some form of everything is okay, performance, sort of. Well, they, you know, because it's a tough place to put a kid in. Yeah, well, I was taught. I think I've had a long career also because I was taught to do things on my own. You know, um, I was I put myself through college. I put my. I mean, these are things I did on my own. I. I learned how to take care of myself young. And, um, and at the same time, my parents were extremely supportive. They were, they were, they were, and my dog just came in. All right, buddy. I love it. Doing? It's all good. Uh, we can uh, have dogs on the show. I love having dogs on the show. Hey Max, you want to say hi, Max? <laughs> hey buddy. Uh, Max is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey buddy. So, Sorry, audio listeners, but there's a very cute dog on the screen and you can find us on YouTube. Facebook and Twitch. If you want to go and watch the dog, <laughs> so yeah. you're so you're in this place. Uh, and, and why SUNY Purchase? What's going on there? Oh, it was affordable. You know, mm -hmm. you could afford it. It was a state school, and we were in New York at the time. So I had gone uh, a couple years to the University of Rhode Island uh, studying engineering, and uh, the TAP and Pell Grant and and financial aid that I had. Uh, was drastically cut so i took a year off and um and then i took an a i took an acting course as an elective uh, at a community college hmm. and then uh, and then um somebody suggested that i audition for these league of professional training schools which was suny purchase and Carnegie Mellon and NYU, and so I did, and and uh, SUNY Purchase was the one that um, appealed to me, but it was also one I knew I could pay for. Right. Carnegie Mellon's really well known for their theater department, and yeah. obviously there's NYU, but those are pretty expensive schools. Yeah. yeah. NYU is steep. No, I couldn't afford that. Even even with the money they were going to give me, it still was, it was not anything that, that was in my wheelhouse to to uh, afford the time. So you, you have this audition, you get this shot at SUNY mm -hmm. Purchase, and then you show up on campus 
Um, how much experience of acting had you had up to that point? Did you consider yourself an actor again, like as a no? I thought previous I was collegiate, you had tried engineering. No, I had. I was the only one there that had never done a school play. I had knew nothing. I was. I. I thought they're going to discover that I. <laughs> you know. But the one who helped me out, I met. Uh, I was really close friends with Edie Falco, one of the first people I met when I got to SUNY Purchase. And we dated a couple of years. We were just, we stayed friends forever. We're still good friends. Saw her just the other day. We're doing a movie coming up together. Oh, so, wow. I'm godfather to her children. I mean, that's how close we are. Edie so, was in a film. My my film school, uh, I love him so much. Eric Mendelson put Edie in a few movies. Another best friend of mine. We're, that's, that You're friends with Eric Mendelson? Best friends with Eric Mendelson. Get yeah. out of here. Eric and I just saw each other last summer. I was in New York. Eric, listen, Eric, I was ready to bail at Columbia for film school. When Eric, when when I came in, I mean, I was, you know, you come into film school and you want to like show off and do all these cool things that you saw in a movie. And maybe you saw it in a John Woo movie. Maybe you saw it in another movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know, I know, you're, I trying know. To, you're trying to just prove yourself because everybody else is either, you know, I, I, I should not have gone straight from undergrad into film school. I just shouldn't have. I should have like, I should have lived a little so I actually knew what to make movies about rather than just be a punk ass from a Eric, video store. Eric and Eric Eric sat me down and he said, you're finally getting it. When I chilled the hell out and I, it took a lot of failure and a lot of really crappy films, I, I just was like, okay, here's a simple scene of two people. I give up. I, here's, two, here's two people talking to each other. I give up. Mm. And I did a simple setup of two people talking to each other and Eric goes, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what you've been trying to do. That's it. But man, the like the number of teachers that like I wish that I could have so many of those teachers back and actually be able to listen to them. Well, he's a special one. He is because he's. Um, I mean, he hasn't directed a lot of films, and he could have, but he just he loves teaching. And I mean, look at the films that he's. I mean, through an open window, he goes to Cannes. Um, you know, Judy Berlin. I mean, every film he directs, he not only goes to Sundance, he wins Best Director. It's insane. And you insane. hear the stories of him being offered like an A-list movie star and another movie. And then and Eric, but Eric loses control of those situations. And so Eric says, no. And these are just rumors that you hear as film students or, you know, that, that Eric got, got offered this A-list actor or actress and the next movie. But and it would have been that Hollywood leap for him. But he said, "Yeah, but that's not my movie anymore. What am I? I'm doing somebody else's movie." And damn, Eric has just been so awesome. And I just, last summer we 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 I went down to Soho, uh, not Soho. It was um, I was staying in Chelsea, and I took the subway down, and Eric and I got to have coffee for the first time in 15 years. And it, yeah. he's just as awesome as he's always been. No, he's the real deal. He, he's, you know, he's does things for the right reasons. And uh, look, I mean, you want to have a long career. That's really what you're looking at. Believe it or not, you know. Well, what have been, what's been the secret to your long career? Like, like what's what's the what's the story there? Because, you know, uh, it doesn't. You know, when you when you're asking, uh, what I, I think what I'm asking is, uh, you know, there's always times when you made good choices and bad choices. Mm -hmm. Right. And we've already talked about going to SUNY purchase for an economic reason. And you put you on the, the path to meeting Edie 
I'm guessing it puts you on the path to meeting Hal Hartley, who you've collaborated mm-hmm. with quite a bit. He he's a SUNY Purchase product. Um, and here you are now. You're you've got your you've got your group right. And I think everybody needs that collaborative group. Um, has it always been the right decision? Were there times when you're like, oh man, that stunk. How am I going to recover from that? Ah, uh, you know, I've I've had a long career. There's luck, first of all. There's a lot of luck. I mean, mm-hmm. but there's. But because because it requires that, I think you want to uh, you 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 want to move where you're inspired. You know, it's I mean, it's we all know this. I mean, it's it's pretty much do what moves you. Do what uh, what is it? Joseph Campbell says, "Follow your bliss." I mean, sure. it, but that's true. I mean, but but that means a lot. That's a lot deeper than you know than just doing what feels good. But but there's a lot to be said for that. Um, uh, I think Eric, like, okay, Eric and Edie and myself have, uh, we have influenced each other. I mean, I, I think that I am, I'm still influenced by those people. I'm still influenced by, I know that I'm, you know, I'm, I know that I'm thinking in the, in the right ways when, I mean, Eric and I talk a lot. So I just saw Edie. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, so, so financially you have good years and you have okay years, you know, but the rest of it is just do what you want to do. I mean, I, I did this movie because uh, it was, be, it was because of how the women characters were written. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what brought So you find that thing, you find that thing that, that, that's a little different about the project and, you know, um, there's always a fine line between uh, needing to keep working and then doing something that's worthwhile. And I've done things where I, I was paid well, but where it just wasn't worthwhile. And, you know, um, and then other times where, you know, I mean, I wasn't paid much on this job. So, but, but it's a, a one for them, one for me kind of thing. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you do where it's like, Hey, this one's yeah. for the, this one's for the gig. Yeah. And this one's for the soul. Yeah, yeah. One, we we get if if one withers and dies, the other one will follow. <laughs> so we gotta we gotta keep the the one for the gig, one for the money, and one for the soul. And if I can make enough with the money, I can do two for the soul next. But for yeah, the most part, it's gotta to, be that balance. Try to always stay in a place of of becoming. Because you know, just stay, stay, keep moving. You know, you feel like you're all right. Vincenzo Marsden is an actor on Facebook. He says, aside from meditation and the usual, how do you get outside of yourself and into a character? So aside from meditation and the usual, like what do you do to get inside of your, get outside of yourself and into a character? I like that he brings up meditation. I really, uh, you know, yeah. So I do those things, but uh, I don't know. The characters, um, sometimes I don't know until, I'm right there. Some, some, usually something will hit. There'll be some hook. There'll be some kind of something that um, sometimes it'll be somebody that I see out in life. There'll be just something that I see. Um, and it's just got to ring true. Um, sometimes I sometimes I do a, a bit of prep, you know, that where I just sort of think through who this who who was this person from when they were born to where we find them in the story. But a lot of times I just, I, I, I'm pretty instinctual. So Mm -hmm. um, I rely on that. 
And the other thing you brought before, Jonathan, about moving around, that is, there's just a, that it always, it always falls back on that. There's just a part of me that, that I'm, um, where I'm, I trust my, that I, I trust um, myself when I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm good when I don't know what my next line is. I'm good when I don't know, when I think I don't know what I'm doing and I, I go anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I guess being thrown into those new situations, so many times you have to learn to leap before you look and trust that you will land on your feet, which is such a huge part of life because fear can be such a restrictive power. It can be so, it can be destructive to us and keep us in a place where we are doing a living a redundancy or we are li- living in like a safety mechanism where yeah. we ask ourselves, why isn't this working? This thing that I've been trying and I've been at it so long, why isn't this working? And when will it be my turn and this and that, but really it's almost like that diagram of one for them and one for me. You can keep that day job and keep yourself with the lights on, Mm -hmm. but if you're not going out and trying new stuff to try and break out, of that mold, you'll always be in that mold. You'll always have that glass ceiling that you don't know how to get above. I protected that right to to be an artist in the '90s by moving furniture. Mm. You know, luckily enough, time went by, and and uh, I haven't had to do that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, I, I think people like Edie and Eric and uh, people that I know, I always thought I was like I'm standing up for the right to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be stopped by not having the uh, the finances. That's not going to stop me. You know? Right. I'm not, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not ambitious, and I've never been ambitious in terms of uh, celebrity. As a matter of fact, it's, it seems like a ward on the ass of progress. <laughs> our business. If, if I'd have known, it would become such a thing. Well, what's uh, that? What's the saying? Uh, perfection is the enemy of good, because you, right. you're. Like, have you heard that perfect? Yeah. Like, per- perfection is the enemy of good because you're aiming for this completely, you know, I don't know, a subjective goal that is ever moving and ever shifting. And you've, and before you know it, you've moved away from the the true, the true thing that you are, the true thing that you that that you're about. And suddenly, stuff isn't good anymore. You're you're kind of rudderless. Yeah, uh, I, I got a lot of. Uh... I've gotten a lot of play out of not being afraid to make a fool out of myself, not being afraid to be a sucker. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be bad. You know? Mm-hmm. You, oh, I, I celebrate it. It seems with yeah. my life. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Vincent says, I love that. I'm good when I don't know what is next. And, uh, yeah. and Jason Elliott says, I've enjoyed your work. You were awesome in power. Thank you. Thank you. I loved working on power, oh, man. I love those guys. That was uh Wow. Yeah. That was, uh, I'm still good friends with all those people. Just saw, uh, Joe Perino, the guy who played, uh, Vincent. Amazing. Amazing. We're going to be working again, me and Joe Perino, who plays Vincent, the head of the mob on, uh, on the, was it the, the fifth and sixth season? I was there for two seasons. Um, so we're going to do Hal Hartley's next film with Edie Falco called uh, Where to Land. 
the gang is back together and that, mm-hmm. and, that and, and, and we're and we're bringing we're bringing somebody else in so that's good and bill that'll be over zoom or what is <laughs> <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> that that'll no, wait, wait, we're, it, shooting. It, yeah, we're, we're shooting <laughs> we're shooting in new york city we have to go through when we shoot we have to i'm i'm in every scene so i have to be tested every every 48 hours uh-huh. and um you can shoot Eight-hour days. I mean, who ever heard of that? An eight-hour. Yeah, like those are French. Those are hour, aren't those French hours? Those, <laughs> isn't that what they call it? Like they're like French hours. French just hour, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, and and you can only do shoot three or four days a week. Wow. So, so um, you know, I'm looking forward to working with Edie again, and and Robert Burke. Robert Burke's in it. Robert John Burke and. Uh, um, I think Parker Posey is going to do it. I don't know. Okay, um, we'll see. No, no yeah. spoilers. Yeah, no. That, that we don't want SAG getting mad at us suddenly, being like, hey, wait a minute, what production? We didn't okay. <laughs> no, they know. Oh, no, they know. Yeah. They know. Yeah, yeah it, it, it seems like this opening up of Hollywood is like you start hearing stories of, uh, oh, they're starting to, to shoot this and they're starting to shoot that. Um, you know, there's still a we're still, you know, we still have a, a raging pandemic going on, but uh, like art has to move forward. Um, it well, is insane. Gotta, well, you know, independent film should be streamlined for it because mm-hmm. we're only, we're shooting largely in just a couple locations. And I'm guessing it's like a documentary crew, basically. You know what I mean? Like we're going to have your camera, you're going to have your sound, you're going to have probably some swing working on the electrical and the lights, but yeah, exactly. it's going to be... It's going to be run and gun a little gritty. We will have, we'll have no wardrobe person. We'll have no makeup artist, which is those things are, that's too bad. Cause that's therapy. <laughs> that's therapy. Right. Those are always the, those are always the people that, you know, you tell all your problems. To. <laughs> <laughs> you're stuck. You're stuck in the chair for 30 minutes. You're going to be like, Ugh. Oh yeah. They know everything. They, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's moving, you know, um, SAGs, you know, they're strict about it as they should be. Um, but I think uh, like a third of our budget is taken up with precautions. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. Whereas you, there's a I mean, new, you, you would, you would think, you would think that a bigger film would be, I mean, it's so much more of a risk or a show that's going is so much more of a risk. Whereas uh, a little film with just a few people in it, me and Edie and Bob and Joe and just very few people at very few locations. There's a lot of, a lot of precaution as there should be. And, uh, I wish everybody would just wear their damn masks because then we could all get back to work, you know, mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just please just wear, wear, wear a freaking mask. Forget I, it, it's, it's moronic. It, it's, politicized. it's moronic. Oh my it's God, insane. You, you've yeah. got you've got Japan that has a culture of wearing masks, and they've worn masks for a long time. And we have pretty even though we're not the same population, we have pretty synonymous calendar on, on exposure. And, and Japan's per death per infection is so much lower than the U.S. You think of what was asked of people during the Depression, during the Dust Bowl, during World War II. What was asked of individuals? All we're being asked to do. Is to socially distance and wear a freaking mask. I mean, 
you know, look, Dodd in the movie is way ahead of the curve. I got a, I got a bandana on, and you know, Dodd was way ahead. Way it's ahead. like what we said earlier in the movie or early in the show. It's like the, the 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 real pandemic seems to be stupidity and ignorance and misinformation, and I think that we have to keep you know because they're dropping the ball. Uh, you know, whoever is in charge is dropping the ball. We have to keep each other. In check, we, we you know there has to be a swing back to some level of social empathy. We have to look out for each other. We have to watch each other's backs. We have to make sure that uh, we're not misinforming each other. We have to you know make sure that uh, you know we're actually pretty united when there's a lot of division going on in yeah. the messages that we hear. And again, I just drove from Los Angeles to South Carolina and back. And I've seen a lot of different types of people in a lot of different types of places. But at the end of the day, it seemed like everybody just wanted a roof over their head and food on their table. And we, it, and it, you know, I, I think you can get in any conversation with anybody in, with disagreements. Uh, and it's happening a lot online, especially, I mean, I don't know if you read Eric's Facebook, but <laughs> he loves posting it and it's the best. And I love how active he is. Um, but at the end of the day, you get in a, into a disagreement with somebody, and you can always just tear it down to what what are your what are your immediate human concerns? And we all have the same ones. That's right. Food and shelter. Food and shelter are our loved ones. And then from there, we're not that different. I think we've completely been pushed to extremes or to think that we're in extremes. Uh, and you know, there's a divide and conquer strategy. You know, I'm not gonna get into conspiracy theory. But we're no, very no, easy not, to manipulate with a dividing conquer strategy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's you know, there's there's in the very highest office of our lands, we're 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 uh, being purposely divided. You know, I mean, yeah. whatever your uh, affiliation, Jason, it doesn't matter. It just it's you know. Well, I, it, it, it is good. It, it, is. it is good to know that you're discovering which friends would hide a zombie bite in a zombie movie. Like that's that's valuable information. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that person would definitely hide a zombie bite and not let us know that he's infected. Okay, good to know. Okay, yeah. Uh, as Jason Elliott says, this is a real life zombie movie where the threat is lack of common sense instead of the virus. Uh, you know, just, but what I think right. what I was saying right. earlier is that the arts have become important. We're all stuck in our homes. The arts have become pretty important, but. I think human empathy has also become very important. And I was asked by Geekscape the other day because I'm similar to Eric and that I post a lot of political stuff. And I try and make I try and make it funny. Uh, and somebody said, like, how can you be so you know positive when you're posting all this stuff? And I and I do believe that the pendulum swings and that the pendulum will swing back. And that what this is doing is it's causing people to be active, it's causing people to be awake, it's causing people to uh, be aware. And uh, only good things can come of that. No. Well, we're at we're at a breaking point. I mean, this looks an awful lot like, you know, Berlin in the '30s to me. And mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, uh, this is it's either going to go the way of, you know, if you want to know what a uh, what the beginning of a of a dictatorship in this country could be, a capitalistic dictatorship looking at it mm -hmm. you know and uh we've 
you know, we've already had uh, we've already had people with tiki torches, and and it's just racism is. I mean, things that as a white person, I grew up around a lot of black people, so I, but all my black friends were like, they knew it was there. I mean, I really thought that this had been thrown into the scrap heap of time. You know, that uh, mm -hmm. we would never see after Barack Obama, we would never see the same kind of thing. But we do. It's reared its head and, and uh, you know, we're in for a very exciting election. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, how's your post office doing? <laughs> it's doing all right? <laughs> Geekscapists who are watching this live or listening to this, I think that there are organized marches for the Postal Service this weekend this Saturday. So it's, it's worth looking into. Michelle Vincent, who's watching, says, well said, Jonathan, we have to watch out for each other. The arts are extremely important and the arts are suffering, but the arts have always suffered. I think that the arts have always been, it's always been like, do you want to buy a bomb or do you want to invest in the arts? And, you know, and, 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 and we know, Bill, like you and I know that the, that the arts can be as powerful as a bomb. If you listen to the last episode I did with the Cursed Films filmmakers, we were talking about how a lot of our belief in possession and exorcism comes from the movie, the exorcist, not from anything else. And how DW Griffith was almost single-handedly responsible for bringing back the KKK with his depiction of them as heroes in, uh, you know, in birth of a nation. And so in that way, art is very important and can be as powerful or more so than a bomb. The pen can be mightier than the sword. We've heard it a million times, but no one wants to invest in it. <laughs> <laughs> education right. and arts are the first thing cut bill's got to run around and like i don't know when you're filming in a month or two you're gonna be running around like a film student making this movie with with hell we were supposed to have shot this and we're supposed to shoot this in april you know mm -hmm. we've been we were we've been in post forever on this you know it's it keeps breaking down and coming back and uh, we're gonna get it done but my god yeah you know. this movie uh the pale door when did hmm. you shoot this one? Last year, last uh, we're shooting in uh, late June, I think, through the mm -hmm. month of June. Yeah, not a bad it, time to be. I mean, it was probably hot as hell in Oklahoma. You got to be telling me like that's that that was hot as hell, right? Hot as hell. Yeah, mosquito. I mean, a lot of dealing with insects and and uh, fun as hell, but hot as hell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it was once we once we moved to. Oh, that's nice. Once we yeah. once we moved to nights, let's put it this way: it was really welcomed. Moving to nights, I could. I mean, the, the day shoots were just brutal. Mm -hmm. so we were and, all happy to move to nights. But horror is horror something that was new to you, and obviously, like the action sequences. There, like my favorite part of the movie is that first action sequence that happens in the uh, bordello, and you get thrown over a railing, and you have to like shoot the like you, you like blow a, a a witch's head off while you're falling out of the ground. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Are, are, are you new to that kind of action choreography? Are you new to like the horror stuff, even though you've had not a really. long career? Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, I've done a lot of stunts uh, throughout my career. It seems, I mean, it doesn't, it never seems like, the only thing that was new on this was the gun spinning thing. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, horror is a genre that I love and in, in a way that Eric loves it, you know. Uh, we see, um, you know, horror is anxiety and, and um, you know, and, and you, you can couch a, uh, you can couch something a little, you can couch a serious thing in the guise of something that's, uh, that's just, 
horror film is a is a is a lovely genre for for sneaking in a, a relevant message. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I think it. it I, I mean, I look at Rose, yeah. Look, I mean, Rosemary's Baby or The Shining. Or, I think that's Eric's favorite movie too. Is Rosemary's Baby? He loves I, it. Yeah, he, I, he loves I, it. Yeah, and. Uh, and I, I think it was uh, Geekscapists who are horror fans. You can definitely, uh, I'm paraphrasing, so you can definitely correct me on this one. But I think it was John Carpenter um, or uh, or it could have been John Carpenter, could have been uh, one of the other 80s horror directors who said that it's not the creation of terror. It's the release of terror. Like it is, it's a cathartic experience making a horror movie. It's not something right. that will, it doesn't create, the evil it doesn't create something that then says oh i'm suddenly going to go shoot up my skull or i'm going to become more violent or hateful it is the active catharsis of those feelings in a right. art form you yeah know? The, best, and, the best horror films you you never actually see anything mm -hmm. horrific you know it's it's something that's already inside of you that gets released mm -hmm. uh, the, the the obvious thing is you know hitchcock and those things you know, that stuff is brilliant, and yeah. of course, like the shark and Jaws, seeing yeah. the shark and Jaws, like you, you see that movie, you see the shark very little in that movie, and uh, I mean across the board, my favorite, really like that real work with the dark and re the removal of information is Alien, when Ridley Scott showed us so little, and it's I mean the opening of that movie is just like it's almost industrial. Here's where they eat. Here's where they sleep. Here's a spaceship. You don't know that it's going to be running, kicking, and screaming along those same things later on. But it takes its time, and it really builds that tension uh, through like giving you some information that it will later just remove. You know, the lights right. go out very quickly in that movie, and you see less when you're terrified. That's pretty cool, um, yeah. Bill. I'm going to let you go, but let me show your share your Instagram, Geeks Gabus, if you want. To uh, follow Bill, he's Bill Sage underscore on Instagram. Um, Bill, it's pretty amazing that you're friends with Eric and Edie that you come from that school. Incredible. Like, it's like what a coincidence that you're in there. Um, call him. I'll call him now. I'll call Eric now. Call Eric and tell him you were in Jonathan Lennon's podcast, and then he should put you in the next movie. Like, like, come on. He 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 told me he was working on a couple ideas. He was working on this. He was working on that. Just tell him, listen, it's the pandemic. All right. What else are you doing? Yeah, you yeah, doing some, yeah. some, some Zoom courses? Come on, put your foot down. Let's finish this thing. I'm ready to rock. I'm, I'm shooting like a film student right now with Hal. With, with Hal. We're, we're rocking. I'm feeling the groove. I'm not scared yeah. of anything. <laughs> and like, yeah. fail, like failure is feedback. Like, I think that what we said earlier is like, rush into the unknown. Try things. <laughs> like, if you're going to fail, Fail spectacularly because that is a yeah. lesson that you will learn irrevocably. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Bill, yeah, it's really it's great talking. Go ahead, sir. To talk to you, man, dude, it, it, amazing, amazing. Uh, Geeks gave us the movie's called The Pale Door. It's out no, on it's VOD, right? Um, oh yeah, we, uh, the movie's called The Pale Door. It's out on VOD right um, now. Yeah, the 21st. On the 21st. Okay, so yeah. Geekscapus, it's going to be out in a few days on VOD. Right. So strike that one. A couple days on VOD. You'll be able to watch it this weekend. Um, and I think, you know, you should enjoy it. It, it. You know, I was into it because it was a Western. And then it had the horror elements. But I think if you approach it from a horror 
side. I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, Bill, I did. I knew nothing about you before this movie. I I was like, hey, can we talk to Pat Healy? <laughs> I'm kidding. But I, I do like Pat, and we talk to each other. <laughs> we talk to, Pat, I talk to I talk to Pat Healy online. Oh, so when I saw the cast, I was like, hey, can we uh, have Pat Healy? And she was like, you're getting Bill Sage. And I was like, I'll take Bill Sage. He's done a lot of cool stuff. I think we can talk to Bill Sage. And you know what? Don't tell Pat. I'm really glad I got Bill Sage. I will have I will have Pat on the show. Oh, you got to get Pat Healy. But I'm glad I had. I would love to have Pat Healy. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have Pat Healy, but Not I'm really Adam glad we got Bill Sage. They are both really great in the talk. movie. Dude, it was awesome. It was completely yep. miraculous and awesome. Yeah. They're, they're both in this movie, The Pale Door. It's out this weekend on VOD. You're gonna watch it. Michelle Vincent, she says, can't wait to check out the film. Okay, cool. Look for the uh, look for the gun twirling. That's what you want to look for. You want to look Thank for that one. Michelle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, support yep. Bill in anything yeah. that he's working on. <laughs> You're a geekscapist now, Bill. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw you out on on Instagram, Bill Sage yeah. underscore. Uh, dude, good luck on this Hal Hartley movie. We can't wait to watch that one. That'll be cool. And uh, thank I, you, Bill. Tom. I think. Pleasure, dude, of course, Thank you. of course, stay safe, stay creative, uh, and we're, we're gonna get through this, okay, man. And, yeah, and like we'll you said, do. keep wearing that mask, man. Geeks gave us that was Bill Sage. You can see him in the pale door again this weekend on VOD. It's a western horror film. Uh, go ahead and follow him on Instagram too at Bill Sage underscore. We're Geekscape, we're here all the time. I always have creative people on the show to talk to, and man, what a surprise! It's pretty amazing that. Bill is close friends with Eric Mendelson, who really was like my, you know, film school teacher, kept me in the game, kept me inspired, kept me, you know, focused because I was ready to bail. And you need people in, the, in your life to say, no, 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 you're doing fine. It's just scary right now. You're doing fine. It's just scary right now. Maybe Geekscape has been that for you over the years. Maybe I've been that for you over the years, but Eric definitely was that for me creatively. You're doing fine. You're you're you know you're gonna get this. Keep going. You definitely need people like that in your life. I want you geeks to keep going. I want y'all to keep uh, not hating but creating. And I want y'all to follow us on any of the socials. Subscribe to us uh, and share us with your friends on the podcatchers. Leave us a nice review. And till next time, uh, don't hate, create, and we love you. Peace. <laughs>